Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue. My name is Joe Caruso, and I'll be your host as we dig into today's topic. Uh, Thanks for jumping in with us. My goodness, it seems like from news sources to comedians, from friends to advertisements, it seems everyone has an idea of how we should think and live and make decisions. And when even the experts sound convincing, but they disagree, how do we cut through that noise? What... When information overload leaves us frustrated, how do we sift through it all and then choose how to govern our lives? Well, our leadership here at Grace has been processing and praying about these things, and we want to offer a resource to help navigate through some of today's most pressing topics and questions. So here we are. Jeff, yes. how we doing, buddy? I'm hanging in there. You're hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, it's a season, right? I mean, it's a, it's just lots going on and lots to figure out. and. We uh, a little behind the scenes action here today. We had a fun meeting about Christmas, but that always means a lot of things, no matter how exciting those meetings are. And yeah. So uh, yeah, always. And then you would you... think Christmas would be easy, wouldn't you? <laughs> and like it's all written down. It's, it's right there. There's songs already done. But it's like the hardest thing we do is develop I, Christmas stuff around. You know, here. my wife and I talk about that even on the home level, like. We know Christmas is coming every year. Yeah, it's a. It, you you think of it as a fun time. You're going to get together with at least generally people you love and want to be around, and yet at least for us, it seems like every December it's like how we can get this all done. We got to get this, this, and this, and you yeah. end up like stressed out in the middle of it. And uh, so yeah, Christmas season. Um, it, this isn't a Christmas episode, but you know it's a it's a phenomenal concept. It's the it's a one of the cruxes of all of human history. <laughs> And yet, it, it's hard to navigate through sometimes. Yeah, we should do. It's it's maybe we should just make this the episode, but the, <laughs> but we should do an episode about like how we take some we take things that are meant to bring us joy and they bring us grief, mm-hmm. and and it and it's uh, I think it's be, like we have this expectation. Like the the worst thing Heidi could say at my house is to all of us is get out the Christmas decorations. <laughs> I mean, the kids will scatter, you know, they're gone, and then there's complaints, and then it's me yelling, and put the Christmas tree up. And it's always this life and death experience because of how big it is, and I'm just like, <laughs> I thought this was supposed to bring a season of joy, but it's yep. it's a dread. And then her brother and his six kids come up for Christmas <laughs> every year, which is, that's the fun part. But then uh, the day before they leave, she makes all of us, including our guests, help take the Christmas decorations down. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, we uh, Mandy, I feel like every year wants to put up a new tree. Like, so I think this year we'll, we'll be up to five Christmas trees in our house. Oh my goodness! So uh, just, I guess four inside, one outside, and uh, that's more people that live in than live I in know, your house. We, that's only the three of us. Uh, <laughs> but we do include our dogs and goldfish, which we got from. The Family Fall Fest in 2017. It we still, still have alive. that goldfish. Oh, so, my goodness. Um, yeah. And we have not yet paid a penny to keep it sustained. Uh, I, somebody gave us a can of fish food, and that has lasted three years, and everything else was free. Like, it is a free, how are you still alive fish. It, does the fish, does it kind of look at you every day when you feed it, knowing that its life is winding down because you're not going to buy another can of food? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> It should if it doesn't. Um, it actually looks at me wondering if I'm going to just get rid of it. Like, it's Mandy. That that fish is alive because of Mandy. And even that, like, 
that is not insight to Mandy's personality. Like, I can't believe Mandy has done all that she's done to keep this fish alive. But it's 100% her. You guys have a creek in the back. Set it free. That's right. Set it free. Back next, to nature. Organic. Next, organic. Yeah, our creek gets anywhere from an inch deep to, uh, well, one time six foot deep. So I guess when it gets a little bit in the medium there, maybe we'll yeah. set, Kaplunk, it, man. set it loose. Nemo is probably trying to find his father and <laughs> get back to the reef. Right now we're the... Uh, the little girl that needs braces that's scaring it out of its yeah, mind right now. poor yep. fish. <laughs> Best thing you can do is throw that in the creek. That's <laughs> what Jesus would do. <laughs> what? Our daughter would be like, what happened to our fish? Oh, we let it go in the creek. That's right. What? Free in the Lord. Jesus said to. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. So, um, yeah, so we're going <laughs> to dive into one of our listeners' questions today. Uh, I thought this was great, and we really appreciate it. Uh, we have uh, a few questions lined up, so it, it, over the next X amount of weeks, we'll start getting to these. Um, but this one said, hey, there was some conversations happening in one of our local communities about um, groupings of people and even churches that, and this is their language, that says they're LG or LBGTQ friendly, and they had several questions about like, well, what do you believe? What is this person that asked the question? Like, what do you and your church believe? And mm-hmm. so they, they turn to us like, wow, we have this podcast where we can talk about there's all these messages that swirl around in our culture. And yeah. like, how do you figure out kind of the pathway to go? And so this person asked, would you address kind of a biblical perspective on sexual immorality? Morality. And so um, I appreciate that request. It's not really in a question mark stance. So, Jeff, I will ask you, like, this certainly is something that's all over our culture. Yep. And, um, and in some ways, that's almost been a little bit quiet lately because of everything else that's been happening in our yeah. culture. But it's definitely a piece of who we are as an American culture. So, Jeff, how, how do we start to wade into these waters of navigating uh, sexual immorality, sexual identity, all these things um, as, as a church, as people that want to follow Jesus. Yeah. So it, dep- it depends on what people mean. Sure. Right? So when people say, are you uh, LBGTQ friendly, or or what do you think about a heterosexual couple living together outside of marriage, or uh, what about transgendered issues or different sexual identity issues, all those kind of things, it depends on... Um, what question you're actually asking and what response you'll actually let me give. Mm. So if we can actually have a conversation and if you're, if you're looking for uh, biblical thinking and my uh, or Grace Church's biblical perspective on that thinking or are you looking for buzzwords and phrases that automatically cause cause a conversation to shut down? And so what I found in this area, this, this is a dicey area in our culture, um, and that honestly, just to be honest with you, most of the time what I found is that people will ask me that question, but they don't want to hear my answer. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to have a conversation. They want to have a qualification. Are mm-hmm. you qualified in? Are you qualified out of whatever we think your opinion should be? So, um, so that's kind of a starting point for me where um, it's, it's not that we won't talk about it and that we're not open about it. It's that um, we're not always actually invited to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and our beliefs and our opinions uh, – are often not valued enough even to be listened to. Sure. So 
Um, so that you know, there's a lot of t- almost anything in our culture today that's touchy, mm-hmm. or that could be considered controversial. Our, our culture has almost no ability to converse with each other, mm-hmm. and because of that, um, we don't understand what the other side is actually thinking. Mm-hmm. So each side will make assumptions about the other one, and then we, uh, what we do then is we categorize people. When you categorize them, you can stereotype them. When you stereotype them, you can dehumanize them. Mm-hmm. And so we don't even treat each other like human beings anymore. Sure. So It's amazing how, like, in, in when we have those arguments, I always think about the, the difference between words where they, they denote something versus they have a connotation, a denotation, and a connotation. Mm-hmm. You know, an automobile is an automobile. It is a denotative uh, definition that this there's not really an argument about that at all. We all understand this, but then connotative is like, well, we interpret this word to mean something else. Right. And so um, I feel like there are so many buzzwords out there that are conversation killers because we take connotative concepts and we denote that because you said that word, I already know the next 18 sentences you're about to say and I'm cutting you off. That's correct. And so that's where it's so important to try to enter these conversations in a way that you're actually dialoguing and having a listening ear both ways as opposed to just, here's what I think, or here's what I think you think. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And moving on. Yeah, and and so, that it's it's because and both sides do it to each other a hundred percent and 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 uh and what we need to do is hear each other and hearing each other does not mean compromise it means understanding and what i find is that understanding breeds compassion now i can understand you and completely disagree with you but I won't wind up hating your guts. Absolutely. And that's what I long for in many ways. So in this question of like, where are we is kind of the the question that our listener posed to us um, is here's the answer where I would be with it. When I think about issues of morality and sexual morality, sexual identity, I don't think these are issues of sexuality. I think they are issues of ownership. So for me, the question is not what is your sexual attraction or your sexual temptation, right? So because sexual attraction, sexual temptation is universal to all humanity, right? I had a lady one time uh, come to church and she said, she said, I, I want to talk to you about your view on gay marriage. And I said, um, she like stopped me in the lobby. I said, you know, this isn't really a lobby conversation. We don't have the time. Will you meet with me? And so she, uh, she agreed. And so I got together in my office and uh, sat down. She goes, basically posed a question again. I want to know your views on gay marriage. I said, I need to know what you mean by gay marriage. And she said, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm gay and I want to marry um, my partner and I want to know what the church thinks about that. And I said, I need to know what you mean by what I think about that. <laughs> and she she laughed with me a little bit. I said, are you asking me, do I think it's right or wrong for two people of the same gender to be um, uh, married? Are you asking me, do I do gay weddings? Do you a- Are you asking me, do I rent out the facilities for gay weddings? Do you asking me if I would come to a gay wedding 
Or are you asking me, is it right or wrong for me as a woman to be attracted to another woman? And she goes, that one. I'm asking you that one. So you're asking me, you're saying, I'm sexually attracted to other women, and I want to know what the Bible says about that. And she said, yes, that's my thing. I'm sexually attracted to other women. I said, okay. I said, all right, I can help you because I have the same problem. <laughs> I'm also sexually attracted to other women, <laughs> right? Yeah. So we're now we're talking about who owns my mind, who owns my body. That's what we're actually talking about. And I think when you take issues of sexual identity and you you take them to their very core, they're not issues of attraction, they're issues of authority. Mm -hmm. So basically we're asking the question, does God have the authority to define me? And if God, is it God's decision to define me biologically as a male, biologically as a female? And then is it God's decision to define what is sexually immoral or sexually immoral? Is, does my body belong to God or does it belong to me, mm -hmm. right? So as I'm sorting through these issues, when I look at the scriptures, um, I'm not looking at just identity issues or marriage issues. I'm looking at authority and definition issues. And I would look and say, it's God who decides that I will have life. It's God who takes it from me. Uh, the Bible says that my body, if I'm a Christ follower, my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. I've been bought with a price. I am not my own. God defines my path. I do not define my path. God decided when I would be born, when I wouldn't be born. God wove me together in my mother's womb. So it's, it's God who defines me, and it's God then who has ownership over me ultimately, right? Now, as the owner of me, that my life is not my own, my life is yielded to God or should be, um, that means that God defines all kinds of things in my life. It's God who says, it is not okay to murder someone. It is God who says, uh, children, obey your parents as unto the Lord. So God defines, put parameters on all places, all kinds of places in my life, yep. right? So because of that that logic would say to me that god then has the right to define and to put parameters on my morality now as a heterosexual male that usually equals two things for me it usually equals sexual activity in is reserved for within the marriage covenant between mm -hmm. one man and one wife and that once in the marriage covenant, that sexual activity is reserved for the one wife. Mm -hmm. So we would say, we think adultery is a sin. I would say, I think sleeping around is a sin. I would say, I think sexual activity outside of marriage is a sin. It's outside of God's design and his parameters, which he has the right and the authority. And when I use my body in a way that's outside of God's design, definition, and authority, I'm then, I'm taking ownership over something that is not mine, mm -hmm. right? So I believe God has the right, and God has the right to define, 
and God has the right to set those parameters. And and as a Christian, we would then look at that and say that's what qualifies something as sin or not sin. So when I talk to my friends who are who are gay or or homosexual or LGBTQ, that's the conversation we're having. Uh, I have a very dear friend comes to church here every week. Uh, and he would say, I am a gay man. And he, I remember sitting down with him and he's like, are you okay with that? And I said, I don't know what you mean, uh-huh. you know. Well, what he was saying was, I have a sexual attraction uh, to other men. I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's a temptation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Are you acting on that attraction? That's a different question. Right? If I had a heterosexual man sit down with me and say, I have a sexual attraction to another woman, I would say, okay, that's a temptation. Are you acting on that attraction? Right? It's, just, it's the exact same question because it's an ownership question. It's not a temptation question. Right? Um, if if uh, a person sat down with me and said, I was born a man, but I was... I feel like a woman, I would say, okay, feelings are temptations. Are you acting on that? Uh-huh. Because that's an authority. It's a definition issue. It's an authority issue. So we have all kinds of temptations. And one of the reasons why sexual issues are so predominant in our culture right now is because as a culture, the, the average boy is exposed to pornography for the first time by the age of nine. I think the average girl, her first exposure is by the age of 11. So in any other time in history, if we said we're going to have a nine-year-old watch an adult man and woman have sex, we would call that abuse. Uh, we're going to have an 11-year-old girl sit in a room Why a man and a woman or two women or whoever have sex. We would call that sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Today, we just call it pornography. And it's so prevalent, we become numb to it, when in reality, as a culture, we are sexually abusing our own children. Mm-hmm. So even 25 years ago, I would have looked and said a sexually abused child has all kinds of fusion, uh, confusion, all kinds of sexual impulses, all kinds of, of uh, sexual ideas and thoughts that they are not prepared to have. Mm-hmm. They're too young, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Those mechanisms are broken, hence the devastating effects of sex abuse. Well, now almost every child in our culture, we do that to. Mm-hmm. So... When they say, as a teenager or as an adult, I feel something, that's completely true. Uh, when they say, I'm attracted to something, I'm like, I, I'm sure you are. I, I'm, that's, it's logical because you grew up being sexually abused. Um, when, they, when they say, I have, uh, I'm not sure if I'm a boy or a girl or you know, what, the other, what other genders you might choose, um, Right, I'm sure that that's confusing because of the overload of sexual stimulus that you weren't prepared to have as a child. So that's going to be a common denominator. For the Christ follower, I would look and say there's all kinds of common denominators 
uh, greed is a common denominator, pride is a common denominator, lust is a common denominator, et cetera, et cetera. As a Christ follower, regardless of what the sin or the temptation is, the common question mark is, whose authority do I fall under? And does God have the right to put parameters on my life? Mm-hmm. Right? right. So that's that's the big issue. And so, like, if you said, if somebody said, well, is grace friendly? I'm like, well, there's all kinds of, of uh, people who, sh- who uh, would identify as gay or lesbian who come to grace, but they're striving for sexual purity, uh, just like there's all kinds of people who are heterosexual that come to grace who are striving for sexual purity. Do they do that perfectly? I'm sure they don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. Right. Right. I've I've thought life, like so. I don't. I don't. I strive for sexual purity. I don't hit that mark, but it's the striving for it. Mm-hmm. Someone who is actively living in a heterosexual sinful relationship is not striving. Someone who's actively living in a homosexual sinful relationship is not striving. And just like other categories of sin. Um, the church would look and say, because we love you, we will face you with that. If I have a man who's actively having an affair with a woman, not his wife, as the church, we're going to address that sin. If I have an alcoholic who's actively pursuing drink, we're going to address that sin. If I have a person who's attracted in a homosexual relationship and they're actively pursuing that, I'm going to address that sin. It's not the temptation that's the issue, in my view. Mm-hmm. It is the um, lack or non-desire to bring your life under the authority of, of Christ. That is that is the issue, right? Mm-hmm. I was on a pastor's panel one time, and they are talking about this stuff, and a pastor said, he goes, uh, he goes, I think the biggest problem facing the church today is the homosexual agenda. <laughs> and so I, they were talking about that. I was just kind of sitting on this. I, by the way, I hate panels because I just hate them, but I was on it. And so I'm like, okay, so listen to it. So everybody commented on that, and I didn't really say anything. And so because I didn't say anything, the moderator got around, and he was like, well, Dr. Bogue, <laughs> you haven't said anything. And I'm like, eh. And he goes, he goes, what do you think about that statement that the biggest problem in the church today is the homosexual agenda? And I said, I said, you know, I don't know about you guys, but at my church, I got a lot more heterosexual problems than I do homosexual problems. And there was a very awkward silence in the room. And I'm like, I, I got porn, I got infidelity, I got lust, I got thought life. I'm like, I got, I got heterosexual problems everywhere and i have a few dear friends that have their version of those temptations in a homosexual uh context and i'm like so i guess i i'm just all the above (laughs) (laughs) we got we got problems because we got people we got sinners yep and and who are all striving to to place themselves under god's definition and direction i love that jeff you said something which i thought uh is excellent, but I want to make sure, especially because we struggle with 
you know, we hear certain phrases or we hear certain words and we start filling in those blanks. You said if someone is actively in sin, that we're, we're going to address it. Address it. Um, that's not devaluing that person, no, right? Like a, if, if anything, it's it's actually elevating the worth that they have as a human, as someone that you love. You you go after, you you care for those that you love. That's what God does. It's the essence, the, uh, the essence of the gospel. You know, it's like because you're in sin, I'm coming after you. Yeah, you, for our listeners, uh, this question of how do we feel or act, you – you one of the things that you have to know is that we would address this question from what we consider a biblical Christian worldview. So as a biblical Christian, in our minds and in our hearts, the most loving thing that we can do is help you align your life with Christ, right? So for us, it would be very unloving it would be against our our convictions and our core beliefs to see somebody living in blatant sin and not address that mm-hmm. and we would believe through the scripture specifically Matthew chapter 18 that we would extend that love all the way to uh, removal from the church now I know this is so foreign to our world today but to the Christ-centered person in our way of thinking and our understanding of Scripture, removal from the church is a last-ditch effort to awaken someone from sin. Uh-huh. Okay? Now, we would not apply that solely to sexual issues. Correct. That's, that's the big caveat here. Uh, it's, a, it's a major issue for me when pastors get up and harp on certain sins and ignore other ones. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we would, as a Christ follower, we would lean into everyone's life. Now there's a patience and a love. We are not not demanding perfection. We we, we live under God's grace. It's more the defiance. So I'll give you an example. If you had a friend who was a fitness guru, and they believe deeply in eating uh, organically and working out twice a day and really nurturing your body to its highest point of health. When that friend, if that friend looked you in the eye and said, I'm concerned that you're 30 pounds overweight, uh, I'm, I'm worried that you have a Big Mac for lunch every day, um, I, I I genuinely love you. If that person, if you trusted them, you would hear that concern and it would like awaken you to your bad eating habits. If you didn't trust them, you would push them out of your friend circle and deem them judgmental. Mm-hmm. And if they were snarky, if they were like, hey, Lardo, how was your Big Mac? <laughs> like if they were mocking you, you would feel hurt because you thought they were your friend. This is what I think the church has been guilty of. The church has been guilty of mocking and, and saying, hey, Lardo, right? We, we've, been, we've been guilty of picking sexual sins, in particular homosexual issues, uh-huh. LBGTQ issues. We've been uh, guilty of elevating those other, 
over other things. I had a friend who's, who's a, a, a gay man confront me about a joke that I would make all the time. And he's like, do you know when you make that joke, it puts up a wall, it tells people that they're not loved and they're even not wanted here. And I looked at my friend, I apologized to him, I repented to the Lord and gave him a hug and I thank him all the time. I'm like, I was blind and foolish and cold hearted and, he's, and what he said to me was, he goes, I know that you don't mean that. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. I was just ignorant, right? Now, I never changed what the Bible said, and I, I never changed that. But I'm like, I don't need to do that. I don't need to. I wouldn't mock an alcoholic. I wouldn't mock a, a struggling marriage, but I would mock a gay person. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous right. in the heart of Jesus, right? So the church has been guilty of that. What's unfair, and where I said at the beginning, like we have to be able to have a conversation, is that because we believe something is sin that we get accused of being hateful. It's not true. Right. And, and my friend who's the fitness, they're not being hateful to me. They mean it. They love me. They care. And... And that trust has been eroded. I think the church is partly responsible. And I think the, uh, for lack of a better word, like the homosexual agenda, the activists, they're being very unfair and mm-hmm. cruel to the church. That's just not the heart of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that what they'll say is, you need to, you're reading the scripture wrong, you need to change your theology. And what I'll say is, I'm not reading the scripture wrong, and I'm not, I can't change my theology to conviction, but I can love you, and I can make sure that your sin isn't the sin. Right, right. Right? And so we're, we're in a loving community, we're dealing with, with all of that. So if there's not trust, mm-hmm. You know, and um, and there's not relationship, which is what I long for. And when you say is grace friendly, I'm like, yeah, we are that way. We're not out to uh, kick anybody out or ostracize anybody or any of those kind of things. But we do believe what we what we believe God says, mm-hmm. and we cannot. I cannot apologize for that, and I cannot turn away from it. I wish I could sometimes; it would make life easier. Mm-hmm. But if I don't believe in that, then I literally wouldn't know what to believe in because mm-hmm. uh, I believe it at my core. And it's, uh, it's as hard as looking at somebody and saying, uh, if you don't believe in Jesus. I, I had a girl one time, uh, we're talking about salvation, and she said, do you believe if I don't accept Jesus, I'm going to go to hell? She looked me right, it's in my home, looked me right in the eye, and I looked at her and I said, yes, I do. And she, she started to weep a little bit, and she looked at me. She goes, you're the only person that's ever been honest with me about that. Mm. And, I, and I, I cry now thinking about it. I'm like, I love you. Right. I, don't, I don't want that. And she never – she disagrees. Mm-hmm. She never accepted Christ. And she's my friend. She, she's friends with my kids. She comes over when she's back in town. This, they're in college and things like that. But I'm like, I, I'm telling you this because I love you. I don't hate you. Right. But she trusted that. Mm-hmm. Right, and then I'm not asking her to conform to me. I'm not like, well, then get out of my house. She's in my house all the time. Right, you know, yep. I I love seeing her. Mm-hmm. She comes to church mm-hmm. sometimes. Yep. I love seeing her. <clears throat> so th- 
when I when you ask like, are we friendly? I'm like, yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. But you have to trust that, and we have to trust back, and and get to those heart conversations. Yeah, and I think um, one small addition that maybe I'll ask here, Jeff, is like, and you kind of alluded to it here with this this young woman. Um, uh, when we are addressing sin and in the whole category, right? Not not just sexual immorality, not even just, uh, you know, an LGBTQ conversation, but addressing sin with somebody that is a follower of Christ and addressing sin with someone that's not a follower of Christ right, is a right. very different conversation, Completely right? different conversation, how, that's what, right. What's, a, what's a, maybe a quick understanding of how that's different? People who are not followers of Christ are not expected to act like Christ followers, and so they're not held to those standards, because if you're not a follower of Christ, you would automatically say, God does not own me, mm-hmm. therefore I don't yield to his authority in any way, shape, or form. And so as the church, as a Christ follower, uh, I don't have any authority in your life outside of relationship, you yeah. know? So um, the Apostle Paul says, he, he he actually goes, what difference does it make to me what outsiders do? And he's talking about outside of Christ or in Christ. So I don't think it's my job to go get everybody to behave the way that I want them to behave. Right. As a Christ follower, if you said, um, can I be a Christian and willfully disobey the Bible? I would be like, I would double click on that, man. Because as a Christ follower, I'm yielding myself mm-hmm. to Christ, and the primary way that we know Christ is His Word. Yep. And so I, I like to say the number one sign that someone's a fully devoted follower of Christ is they quit arguing with the Bible. They quit looking for the outs, and they start looking for the ends. Mm-hmm. And we can argue about verses in Hebrew and, and, and languages and all those kind of things, but sexual morality and uh, uh, biblical... Uh, New Testament marriage, it's, it's, it's clear in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And if you don't see it, it's because you don't want to see it. So, so that, that's where like, that argument would cease, and now we would start interacting as a church mm-hmm. with someone yeah. differently. And that's where you know, we are, one of our top values here at church at Grace is to uh, help Jesus make sense. Because if we can help someone that doesn't yet follow Christ understand who he is what it looks like to yield and give their life to him he's the one that starts to do any of that work in and through their hearts and transform them and and that's why the two are different in terms of how we would interact with them Mm -hmm. and all of it through love valuing them as a person that we don't want to see go down a pathway of destruction but want them to experience life and eternal life with christ so so good jeff thanks for diving into this and I think for so many, there's just a lot of question marks. But again, it's not just about the issue. It's about how are we aligning ourselves with the person that we've said, you're my Lord and Savior. I will follow you, and I will give my life to you and, and yield to you. And let me let me say this to anybody who's listening. I, I just want to personally say I will sit and talk with anybody about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not defensive. I don't uh, – I'm not um, – uh, I don't want walls up. And so I'll have a cup of coffee or meet with anybody and have these conversations and reach these understandings. I won't have an argument. Mm-hmm. But, man, if you want to have a real conversation and get uh, really into each other's hearts, and if you're looking and saying, I, 
uh, Jeff, I, I wish you could understand me. Well, I would love to understand more. Yeah. And so um, we would welcome those across the board here. Excellent. Well, that's a, um, a, a great kind of segue into wrapping up this conversation, because if you have questions that you want to submit, maybe it's even follow up to this topic, you can do so at bath.gracechurches.org slash mixed messages. And of course, you can always reach out to us through our social media. You can send us a direct message and that team will make sure it gets into our hands. So if you want to take us up on that, that cup of coffee and that conversation, you have to take that step forward. We would love to do that and walk together through this journey of discovering Christ more and more together. Uh, this week, subscribe, follow, send us that direct message about whatever else is going on in your life. We'd love to get to that here in the podcast. Join us on the weekend. If you're in town, of course, you can join us in person uh, at one of our five weekend services, or you can always follow us online and join our weekend experience there. And of course, thank you for joining us here. Thanks for jumping in as we continue to seek God's voice through all the mixed messages around us. We'll catch you next time.